Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm built on hope. And drugs. Lots and lots of drugs. <laughs> I'm Ian <here>, Alex. <laughs> this week, we're taking a look at Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Does that title sound dumb to anyone else? Yeah. It, it's it's similar. It's not as bad as X Men Origins Wolverine, but it's it's not. It great. sounds like a video game or maybe like a board game or something. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a movie. Which is yeah. kind of. And I guess that's. It was just titled as. I mean, it was marketed more as Rogue One. They just threw Star Wars somewhere on the poster to be like, "Hey, look, it's Star Wars." But yeah, I mean, it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into the scores. Um. Directed by Gareth Edwards of Godzilla fame from 2016. It has an 85% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 87% audience score. Mm -hmm. And yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to have an opinion on that. You just kind of. Um, I think that's a little too high, but that's just me. I probably. We'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. I'd probably agree. Um,. So this. let's just go ahead and say Tyler thinks this is the greatest movie ever yes, made, and, and I and and I think this is the worst movie ever made. Thus, that's that's just how it's going to go for the rest of the evening. That's yeah, that's yep. it. Yep. Those are our firm opinions. Word. They will not change no matter what. There's no nuance to it. It's just black and white. You either love it or you hate it. We're establishing these views right from the start so that we can drum up a drum up some some listening here. Make it some controversy, reality TV style. It's gonna be fun. Um, no, it's fun. Alex V. Tyler, I... Dawn of the Podcast. <laughs> well, I can tell you this movie. And then Britain shows up as the Wonder Woman cameo. There we go. Or Lois Lane. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can I can tell you this movie is not my cup of tea because I got a cup of tea right here. Can you insert a cricket sound for that? <laughs> it's that a, was, I might. It's it's a visual gag. You, you, you got to be there. Oh yeah, that that works for an audio format. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. It it would it would go a lot better if we you know had had. All right, recording we're, 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 we're wasting too much time. <laughs> Tyler, give me your best thing and your worst thing okay. about whatever this movie's called. Sure. Um, I think my favorite thing about this is that it does actually do what it sets out to do um i think i would throw my hat in for this um as the best movie prequel of all time i i don't think and it's not even like that incredible but it's i i don't think there's anything else that comes close in terms of respecting the source material feeling like the same universe leading into the next series like i can't think of anything because there's just not many options. Usually when they make a prequel, it's a bad cash grab. Yeah. Um, I, know. I believe the, the only argument that you could come up with is X-Men First Class, just on the basis of quality. Sure. Even though it feels like a completely different universe. Exactly. It's it's a good yeah. movie, but it's just like they completely don't pay attention to the continuity. It's, it feels like a reboot, almost. Um, and a lot of people did think it was a reboot at the time. Yeah. And so... Yeah, that's that. I, I, there are a lot of elements in this. There, there's a stuff that doesn't need to be in here, but there are 
a lot of the elements relating to we're going to explain how the the Death Star whole got into the Death Star and what people went through to broadcast it the plans out or whatever. Um, I think all of that works really well. I, I like the way it builds right into New Hope. I think all of that's really good. Um, there's stuff in it in the movie that doesn't work. There's 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 flaws. Don't get me wrong, but I think all of that, as far as its its stated goal, its obvious goal, works better than really I expected it to. So um, that would, that was would definitely my favorite thing. You have any thoughts? Um, I I have I have some thoughts on the the whole thesis that the Death Star flaw is is built in as as a sabotage. Sure. Uh. We can we can get into that. Yeah, later. yeah. I, I think I know. This is, I, this is where Max Landis makes a complaint that I actually maybe agree with. I, I I'm sure I know where you're going with this, and that's that's a fair argument. Well, we'll and by that. that I mean K2SO is a Mary Sue worst character <laughs> ever. I hate the movie. Worst movie ever. Zero out of ten. People just don't like to see their robots deconstructed. Okay. It's it's true. It's true. <laughs> All right. Uh. And if you if by that you mean shot multiple times and then completely destroyed, yes, that that is true. Yes, that's yeah, of course. What else? <laughs> Spoilers. Would I um, I think my least favorite thing. Mm, I didn't think of this beforehand. We can come. Back I th- to I think I would say the development, and I don't want to. It's going to sound like I'm saying something different than what I'm trying to get at when I first say this, the development of um, Jyn Erso, I feel like she, um, I don't know, they, they do something weird where they don't really establish her character before we get into the issues with her father. We, they don't really establish her as a separate character. And then they have the moment on Jeddah where she sees the hologram and like it's, it's very emotional and I, I think she acts very well in it. Um, I think it's well done, but it's just sort of like, okay, so we've got this girl, we saw her watch her father die, so I guess that's development, kind of, kind of cliche, but whatever, watch her, or not watch her father die, sorry, watch her mother die, and watch her father get captured and everything. Um, By the way, can I just say, I I feel like that opening should not have, when she's having that weird dream that shows us a lot of that stuff anyway, that's just where that flashback should have been, that should not have been the opening of the movie, I I don't think. I agree. Um... There's there's nothing that we really get from that that we need to know going into the next like twenty or thirty minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um. The. What was I gonna say? Uh, but yeah, she has this emotional moment where she's watching like the hologram and everything, and all we've gotten before that is oh she was captured and then she was kind of feisty to the rebellion people who were directly asking her about her father. We never really get her character outside of her father until. Like and and her relationship with him until after he dies, and by then I think they 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 coast pretty well off that and it works pretty well and they they do some good stuff with her from there on out, but they I feel like we never really get a sense for who she is and she's kind of just there to move the plot along for a little while before they actually start like giving her any moments of her own. Yep. So yeah, that's that's probably what I go for. I think I mean because all the other characters they they're obviously not the main characters and they at least give us a scene like right away saying. That, that kind of tells us a lot about the character, even if it doesn't really... Or shows us a lot about the character, even if it doesn't really tell us. Like, we get a sense for who Cassian and... Uh, I can't even remember the pilot's name, but the guy who... Bodhi. Yeah. 
His, he's the his... pilot, and he says it like 50 times, so you don't forget he's, <laughs> he's the pilot. A, he's a pilot. He pilots things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, but I feel like we at least get kind of an establishing scene for all of them that tells us what their character is. With her, it's a little more, okay, she's here, and she's got a father, and the father does things. Guys, I think we found a lightsaber. <laughs> now I want Mark Wahlberg in a Star Wars movie. Mark Wahlberg, a Star Wars story. Directed by Michael Bay. Directed by has Michael to, Bay. Has, has to be. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree a lot with Jin's arc. Like, I, I follow her arc. It's just there are several points where it's just kind of murky, like, what what the big turning points are supposed to be. Yeah. Like, there's no real point where I'm like, I don't get what her motivation is and why she's doing what she's doing. Sure. That's that's not so much it. It's, it's more when she makes her big turn and she's like oh I'm gonna help the rebellion I don't get like she has that argument with Cassian where she's like you were gonna kill my father and he's like yeah I've done horrible things but I do it in the name of the rebellion blah 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 um I've been in this fight since I was six years old which is a great line by the way yeah um and then in the very next scene she's giving that that for me cringeworthy speech to everyone eh. we'll, get like, I, we'll get into that we'll get into that I feel like that yeah, I, I agree. They they don't build that. They because they don't. Again, it's about it kind of just happens. It's about okay. Well, she has no real reason not to join the rebellion once she learns about her father. There, it they the intro scene should have instead of being the the scene that shows her mother dying and her father talking with the dude and everything. Like that needs to be replaced with a scene of her being a street urchin or something like that. So you know something where she's. Show us how she got caught by the Empire yeah. in the first place. Show us, so show us how she seems like selfish, kind of maybe, and and why it would be a big turning point for her to turn and, and help help a cause bigger than herself. Because yeah. she she they hinted that like where she's like, okay, I delivered, I was only here to deliver these guys to you. Now I'm out. They they yeah. free me. I'm out. And so that we get some of that, but they don't really establish her and and how she is and what changes in her throughout the movie. Because there's never really a, a moment where it's like, oh, she's facing a difficult choice here. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I like how how she starts off as someone who, who's been kind of screwed over by both sides. Yeah. Like, she, she she just wants to kind of keep her head down and just, like, live her life. Yeah. Uh, And she doesn't think that the Rebels can actually change anything and they're just going to do more harm than good. Mm -hmm. I just wish they talked about that a bit more. Exactly. Exactly. Like, and it, her, anger, her anger at stuff that happens in her life seems a lot more aimed at, like people in her life like like more at saw and then her father to a certain extent mm -hmm. i wish she was like when she's talking to the rebel leaders and stuff i wish she was a little more angry with them yeah yeah i don't um, know yeah uh, overall i like i like the character arc that they take with her i just don't think it's handled all that well yeah it's not perfectly executed it's fine <laughs> and by that i mean worst movie ever zero out of ten yep Clickbait. <laughs> you know when you said slightly higher than the Rotten Tomatoes score was slightly higher than than what they should be. You meant they were both they both needed to be zero, right? That's uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, they need to be negative five. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make sure no one else can ever claim the the worst movie ever title again. Yeah. Exactly. You read my mind. So my best thing. <laughs> Okay, I had a hard time coming up with the best thing because I didn't want to immediately go to this fan service bit was awesome. Yeah. 
Um, I don't really care that much for any of the characters in, in this movie, which I find semi-problematic. <laughs> like, I think we, we, we get enough information about each of them to, to understand who they are and what their motivations are, but I don't <laughs> feel any emotional resonance, especially when they start to go at the yeah. end. Which, um, I, w- which I, I, I think is problematic. Sure, but I also think that there's... Is that your worst thing? Is are you no? Well, <laughs> you but, kind of started off talking about your best thing and then turned no, into no. No, my my point is my best thing is K two S O. Okay, but I find that problematic yeah. considering he's the robot character and I'm finding the robot character the most interesting of the bunch. Yeah, like he he has pers- I get everybody's motivations and, and their actions and all that stuff. And they do have distinct personalities. They're not... It's not a case where everyone's being written the same way, which is nice, at least. Like, yeah. they, they, they've got true. their own their own affections. Now, it, it feel These characters feel lived in, if nothing else, but, yeah, they there's nothing... There's not a ton that makes you think... Except for maybe um, Chirrut. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think he's also a pretty strong character as far as what we get from him. But he's also... A, purposely a static character and so i don't know yeah i i think sure he, like he's fun to watch but i think he's kind of one note yeah which i mean like, that's, he does, that's his he, point he, but yeah. then they don't i don't know but i feel like well even with him like it's a lot more about changing his friend Baze, right yeah. yeah like him changing and i don't think that is that greatly handled either it works they do the bare minimum to make us believe what he's going to do whatever that's the thing about this movie exactly. everything is exactly. the bare minimum it's yeah um yeah. but yeah I, I think the most interesting character the one i enjoy watching the most is k2so yeah. and that's just because alan tudyk's the best yeah yeah um go back and listen to our dark of the moon review and we will we will <laughs> We will gush about how great Alan Tudyk is as as a cartoon character, pretty much in that movie. I think Alan Tudyk may have secretly like elevated our review of Dark of the Moon by like a good a good letter grade or two, without us it's realizing the, it. It's the Cyrillic alphabet. It's like all the buttons you wouldn't push in a calculator. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. That's so good. It's great. Anyway, but yeah, um, even the bit where like almost all of his dialogue is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, even watching this multiple times, you know, I, yeah. I've, I, I'm still consistently laugh, laughing at his stuff. There's tons of little moments that I completely forgot about with him. It's great, and I watched Jin, this movie like three times. Jin, I will be, I will be there to help you on your mission. Cassian told me I had to. <laughs> like that, that's great. Yeah, that's yeah. great. He's um, almost a more effective C-3PO, which is, yeah. Like, no, no, they, he's very similar to C-3PO, except he actually gets things done and he's useful. Yeah. Um, so my worst thing, I ha- like I said, I have, a, I have a lot of problems with this movie, but I think the, the one that sticks out to me the most is, like, the first thing I would change is Saw Gerrera. Yeah. And I can't tell how much of it is they need to flesh out his character more and he needs to be in more of the movie for the stuff... Like, the, the interesting thematic stuff he brings as, like, a rogue rebel, mm-hmm. um, that needs to be brought more to the forefront and, and like, a sticking point throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. But as soon as he dies, that, like, that kind of goes away, yeah. kind of. Um, on top of, I think, Forrest Whitaker's just kind of bad in the movie. Really? I, I don't think, I don't think he's great, but yeah, it's kind of strange. It's a little I, I The voice hammy. is weird, yeah. and, he, and he comes off like a cartoon character. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is I think I think with him they went halvesies. You either you either need to like 
establish him throughout the movie and, and keep him there for quite a while, or just gut him and, and just cut that storyline out. And and we should probably say before we get too much farther into this that we know that the movie was plagued by reshoots and, and stuff like that, and things were changed, and they had a lot of... It was a fairly troubled production, and it's kind of amazing that it came out like this, but... Well, you can't... That doesn't mean that you can just... For the most part, when you're watching the movie, you can't tell where the reshoots are. Yeah, yeah. For the most part. It's not like Suicide Squad or Fan Stick <laughs> where you can go, oh, that that's where they that's where the reshoots happen. Like, mm-hmm. I can I can point it out to you. With yeah. this, it's, it's a lot harder to tell. And, you know, I, I think... I don't know. A lot of people now, they, they go, oh, a movie has reshoots. It means it's going to be terrible. Uh-huh. And it's really all because of Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> and Fantastic Four. And Fantastic Four. It, it's it's both of those where the studios just kind of lied about what the reshoots were supposed to be. And yeah. Then, I don't know. People tend to blow that stuff out of proportion and it just makes for like good clickbait articles. When it's yeah. just like, oh, this movie's undergoing reshoots. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. You yeah. just need to chill out. Pretty much. Unless Warner Brothers says they're doing reshoots, then, then we're in trouble. <laughs> well, didn't Wonder Woman have re- reshoots? I don't know. And that was the movie that you thought should have been negative 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. So. Oh, yeah. No, no, That's the worst movie. Yeah, yeah. So. Correction. Correction. <laughs> we haven't talked about that yet, right? Nope. Okay. Well, Britton and I briefly talked about it when we did the top 10 superhero movies. Right. List. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've brought it up now and then since then, but yeah. I'm, I may... I don't think I've said anything since then, but I've I've sort of come around on the movie a bit. I like it a bit more mm-hmm. than when we talked about it that time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, whatever. Well, we'll get around to that. <laughs> um. Can I just say I, I was taking notes for this one again because I I felt just because I'm more negative on the movie than than you are, I felt I would have had to defend myself by by having my my points listed. Yeah. Um. I had a consistent bit of notes through the first two thirds of the movie. Then once the final act starts, I I stop taking notes, <laughs> which is weird because apparently the final act was most where, where most of the reshoots took place, yeah. and I think that's it's kind of the best stuff of the movie. Yeah, no doubt. I think most people agree with that. Can, can I go ahead and say um, a lot of the problem I have with this movie is just based on what I wanted from the movie versus what it actually gave us. What I kind of wanted was like a heist movie. Well, that's that's actually exactly what I was about to say when you brought up the third act. How much more effective would this movie have been if it was literally like the entire movie was about was started and ended with them trying to get the plans out, but there were flashbacks scattered throughout to, to bring these characters out, but we mostly got like our characters got to know these characters through their their interaction. And, yeah. and kind of they built that more up and and made the build up to this point less of an issue. Yeah. No, that's that's why I would have wanted. Well, one of, one of yeah. my problems with the movie is that I feel like they should learn that they have to get the Death Star plans within the first act, and then the rest of the movie is just yeah. them on the mission. Yeah. That's fair. Like I I I don't really like us wasting like us as the audience members. We know what the mission is in the movie, and we ultimately know the outcome. So come on, let, let's let's get a move on here. <laughs> I just I think there's too much treading water around her her father's 
arc, like, I think... Well, yeah, you can go back to the, to the getting rid of Jetta. Or not Jetta, getting rid of, of Sal, 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 I don't know, Forrest Whitaker. Saw. Yeah. Saw um, Guerrera. Right. Who if apparently get, is, is, is a person in Star Wars canon, like he's in the Clone Wars TV show and stuff, apparently? Yeah, yeah. Um. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, get rid of him, get rid of that whole first act, sort of, and just jump into, like... I don't know. I, it's I, also the, it's also very... weird that it's it it starts off with her as a little girl, and then we don't see her develop. Yeah, well, that's like that's the, what I was getting. The, at. the very next scene, it's like, oh, she's pretty much like a new character. Yeah, that's that's what I was getting at earlier. Is they, they yeah? There's no that intro doesn't really flush out things in the way that an intro to her should flush her out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I'm just thinking about like I, I and I don't want to compare her to Ray too much, even though they end up being very similar characters. I mean, yeah, but they're also very different purposes. I don't know. M- mostly in terms of their, their loners. Who, you mean in terms of their Mary Sue's who like everything only good things happen to them, right? Zero out of ten. <laughs> Worst Sorry. movie ever made. Continue. Not just because they're both played by by British actresses who are white and have brown hair. That's sure. that's not the only thing I'm going for. But also, they've been abandoned by their families. Mm-hmm. They're they're on their own when we first meet them. They're kind of, you know, they they have to scrape by just to survive. You know that type of thing. They yeah. start off in a very similar position. Uh, except I find Ray a lot more charming. Zero out of ten, worst movie ever! (laughs) Oh boy. What was I talking about? Was I... Was I done with my point? (laughs) I don't remember. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think think we're good. Okay. Let's just assume we are. Um... Oh no 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 no! But I I I know what I was getting with, with that. Oh, okay. So with the, with the opening scene with Ray and Force Awakens, we start off seeing her and like what her current state is. Exactly. And we and we see immediately through visual storytelling what what like she's having to deal with day by day, what she wants to avoid when she's looking at that old woman who's doing the exact same thing she's doing. We see her marking like how many days she's been stuck on that planet, uh-huh. and with with. Um, Jen, we get the weird flashback, and then she's just in a prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly what I was saying. Is we need we need that sort of thing where she's she's scraping by because she was screwed by. Like, if you're gonna have that intro sequence, have it be on like a populated planet, and like just have her like like her father gets captured or whatever, and her her mother gets killed. And then she just runs off, and she escapes into the city, and she's just been living in the city. Like, get rid of the whole Forrest Whitaker, rebel, rogue rebel, whatever stuff. We don't know yeah. what happened with her and all that. We never really get told that throughout the movie, so just, like, put that all on the side and just say, okay, she's been living up on the streets because the Empire screwed her over, and, like, have her get in conflict with some... some... You know what would be great? Got an idea. Okay. We're going with your idea. Like, maybe it happens on Coruscant, and she yeah. runs away, she gets away from them. Then we cut to her years later, she's a master thief, and she's got her little band of people, they go rob stuff, they get caught by the rebels, who are like, you're some of the best thieves in the galaxy, go steal the Death Star plans for us. Yep. Yeah. 
I like that simple, a lot, actually. Simple because, and effective. We get there within, like, the first half hour of the movie, and then they're on their way. Because then you can get, like, all of the characters are struggling with whether or not they actually care about their rebellion and slowly come to, like, believe in what they're doing. Yeah. And you, and you can even have a reveal where she doesn't even realize her father is working on the Death Star. Yeah, that's why, like, they sought her out or whatever. Like, her, his father, or her father, like, got them, like, you know... Or I'm just got thinking, word like, to the a rebels. message... A message got sent out, they're sent to go find them, and it, like... It's like the whole thing where the Force is guiding these people, and it's all about family. Yeah, maybe. Stuff. Might be a little too convenient. I know it's We're the Force, talking Star but... Wars, come on! Yeah, that's fair. Anyway. It's like poetry, it rhymes. Pretty much. Um... Zero out of ten. But, yeah, the, the the point is there are a lot more effective ways to do the story. And that doesn't mean... I think the reason a lot of it comes across as fine is because they... Because of the kind of the troubled production and everything and, and the rewrites and they were just like, uh And so they, they, they put together a very competent movie. It's not an excellent movie necessarily in terms of character and, and script and plot and everything, but they, they put together a movie that fundamentally works and is coherent, yeah. which is yeah. surprising. Um, but I think that's where a lot of our problems also stem from. Yeah. Well, even towards the end, like, I, I was talking how much I wanted this to be like a heist movie. It feels like it's going to be a heist movie when they they steal the Imperial uniforms and they're, they're actually going yeah. into the facility. Like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna sneak in there. But then before that, they tell everybody, go out into the forest and then just, like, light the place up. Yeah. Which isn't very heisty. Sure. I mean, it's a distraction. I don't think it's that. It's a Star Wars-level heist distraction. I don't think it, that's that. But, but that's, that, that kind of feeds into my problem with the whole third act. As much as I enjoy it, I think it's too overblown. Yeah, maybe. I don't think we needed the giant space battle. I'm grateful that we have it in this movie. <laughs> Because it's great, and it looks awesome, and it's probably the best best space battle since, like, Return of the Jedi. What if... But but still, I I, I don't know. It feels too big. I wish there was just, like, a small little so spy heist the, movie. The crux of this movie is they're part of the Rebellion. They give up on... on or the Rebellion gives up on them... Be, not in the crux of the movie. The crux of the third act is that they're part of the Rebellion. The, the Rebellion sort of gives up on them because they're just also afraid... And then yeah. they go and do it, and then the Ravon's like, you know what, let's go help. How much more effective would that be if literally the entire team were not part of the Rebellion? They were all just, like, street urchins who hated the Rebellion and hated the Empire, didn't want any part of this. And then they got involved, they they realized what, the, what they were up against, and instead of turning away, it made them more, like, confident in fighting it or whatever and and so then the 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 twist or whatever not not even a twist but the the turnaround for the rebellion is not oh let's go help this part of the rebellion that like went away it's oh let's go help these like ragtag street urchins who like hated us originally and we never really gave a chance like i th i think that hits harder if you if you restructure the beginning of the movie and and how we get to the to these characters and i think again there's a lot of moments throughout the movie that you can change to do something like that. Yeah. Um. Let me let me just say this is this isn't like Spectre or no no or X Men Apocalypse where I just want to completely rewrite the movie and we should probably get away from from coming up with our own ideas yeah. for the movie. It's hard though, Bec because it's, yeah, it's hard. It's a similar 
thing where there's so much in the movie that you're there's so many different ways you can go about this yeah but it's also at least we got a a solid rendering of it yeah so it's not necessarily an oh you need to change this to make the movie good it's an oh you need to change this so to make the movie great as opposed to the movie's kind of crap and there's a lot of stuff that could have been fixed in the various range of ways this this movie could have gone this is like right down the middle yeah yeah exactly um but my my overall point is the movie is fine and and it doesn't have to be a heist movie to to be good that's just what i wanted from the movie sure so the fact that the th- whole third act it turns into this huge battle it I don't know. I I feel like it it bothers me more than it would most other people. Yeah. Just based on my expectations for the movie. I guess, personally, I don't know what a heist movie would entail as far as this particular scenario. I mean, I get... I don't know. This movie is a lot more spectacle than it is tight and sort of... Yeah. um, Intricate. And I, w- and I wish it was more tight and intricate. Yeah, but but like, that's clearly was... Ever since Gareth Edwards came on board, I was always like, okay, so this is the movie we're getting. And I guess that's kind of where my my expectations shifted. Yeah. Um, This is very similar to that Godzilla movie. Yeah. For me. This is where, probably very similar to how that re- review would go. Where we're, we're both yeah. like, it's not great. And you're like, yeah, there's a lot I don't like. And I'm like, well, I think there's a little more I like. And then like... There's some good performances. There's some very blah performances. The action scenes look great, but overall the story is very generic and blah. Yeah. Zero out of ten, worst movie ever. That applies to Godzilla as well. Kareth <laughs> <laughs> Edwards, worst director director ever? Question mark? Question mark? Oh my god. Um, <laughs> he is great. The visuals in this movie are incredible. I will say that. That is true. I, I I can't argue with that. Except, do do we want to go ahead and address Tarkin and and Leia? Yeah, I don't actually know what your opinion on this is. Um, originally I was okay with it. The more I watch it, the more it bothers me. Yeah. I just because in ten years it's gonna stick out like a sore thumb because it already it does now. It will, but I'm also extremely impressed. It's it's distracting. It's distracting, too. which is an an issue because of that. But at the same time, there are a lot of the general audience for a in, in very large part did not notice that. Like, there are a lot of people whose minds were just blown when they they realized that oh that actor is actually passed away. Um, yeah, that, well that that opens up a whole bunch of creepy implications for what uh, studios sure can sure do with but also his, his family now. wasn't his family like completely on board and like I think so. I'm I'm pretty sure they were all yeah, um, but uh, but in general the the rendering not even necessarily no matter the actor or anything the rendering of a person in CGI form it's incredible like it's not I mean it's 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 very obvious like I noticed it right away I was like oh that's kind of weird but also really interesting um, I have a I have a really weird like very very specific eye for CGI um, I I. I I don't know why that is, but I've always been very like hyper focused on on whether or not I think it looks realistic and good and stuff. And yeah, no, it it does not. If if you are pretty familiar with, I don't know, like 
catching that sort of thing. It definitely doesn't look real, but it also looks way, way better than it has any right to. I don't know. It blows my mind. I don't. I'm I'm really glad they did it just from a sense of advancing the medium and showing like where we are now. Um. I don't know that it was necessary for the movie just because it is pretty distracting if either A, you didn't recognize it from the beginning, or B, you noticed, like, after someone pointed it out to you or something. Um, and it's interesting that everyone kind of freaks out about, like, oh, well, I think I think Leia looked, like, real, but then Tarkin looks, like, super fake, or or the other way around. Like, there, there were a bunch of different people who, who noticed that one of them was CGI but not the other. Which is really interesting to me, because I think they look pretty similar, all things considered, as far as level of rendering. The problem is, Carrie Fisher's face looks a lot less distinct than, uh... Yeah, yeah, that's I very can't true. remember his name. Peter Cushing. Yeah, yeah. He he has a very distinct face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's a lot harder to just our, our make, brain... make it look convincing. Yeah, yeah. My biggest problem is the the actor that they have doing it. Um, he's got the speech pattern down for how Peter Cushing talks, but his voice does not sound like Peter Cushing's voice. Mm-hmm. And this is just me knowing that. Just knowing knowing I, the originals. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have known it based on that. So yeah. Um, I don't know. I just. I just kind of wish they they would have kept him to like a hologram or something. Yeah. Just that would have been interesting. Would have been a lot easier for them to do. They could kind of hide or, it. or just have them in like very dark locations so it's harder to tell. Yeah. Something. Just having him in like just a full shot with with like full exposure on his face. It it. I I don't. Like I said, it's not going to age well. Probably. Um. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It's really interesting. I'm I'm really curious. Again, like you said, I don't want to see people take this too far because of the ethical implications. But at the same time, I am really like it's it's that that part of me conflicts with the I really want to see how close they can get with this. Like, well, it's funny because like War of the Planet of the Apes came out short, you know, a short time ago, mm-hmm. so like a few months ago from when we were recording, and that looks that looks pretty much. Like one hundred percent convincing. Sure, but those are some shot. That's true, but but even then, I I think you know we're making great strides. Yeah, you're saying in general, fully rendered CGI characters making them look a hundred percent real. Like at no point in this movie was I going. Tarkin looks like a real guy. Like I, I I, I'm not looking at at a special effect. There are sometimes in War for the Planet of the Apes where I'm like, no, they're there. Like <laughs> you ain't talking about the that, that, still talking about the monkey the, right? yeah, yeah, and and that they they don't they don't look like special effects. Yeah. They look like they're there, and it's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's like the uncanny valley has been broken. Yeah, um, and that's again, monkeys very different different perception as far as like the fact well, that we the, don't well, we don't deal with monkeys. The big thing is they're covered in fur, so there's a, there's yeah. a lot more. Stuff well, you can hide, and and we don't deal with monkeys every day, and we don't. There's a reason it's much harder for us to tell monkeys apart than it is for us to tell humans apart, and it's yeah. because we, that's not how we're raised to perceive and biologically wired to perceive differences and, and that sort of thing. And so that's that's a, a very different story. It's still super impressive, um, but this one it, it, you it, you mentioned the uncanny valley, and that's kind of like a super um, popular pseudo science term. No, I don't think it's really pseudoscience, but super popular term that gets thrown around a lot. 
I don't really feel like the either Leia or maybe Leia just a little bit because it's probably because we I have more familiarity with what Carrie Fisher looks like. But um I don't really get the uncanny valley feeling because they do almost look like a hyper realistic cartoon. Yeah. It doesn't it's it's not like off putting to me. It's just yeah, that's not real. Which is really interesting too. And that, and that's also why I find it so impressive is that it's there's not a, an effect of it being like I don't know, like like where you're like, "Oh, that's that's weird." I don't I don't want, at least for me personally. Um where you're like that, that that creeps me out. It's more I don't know. It's really interesting. And I don't know if it's because they've made it so lifelike or they haven't made it lifelike enough to make it start looking creepy. But I don't think they needed to show Carrie Fisher's face. Probably not. I feel like they could have just shown it from behind her and it's just like you, you see her with with the little white hood on. Yeah. So it's like everybody knows it's Princess Leia. Yeah. And the guy hands her the disc and it's like and she, he's like what does it mean? And she's like hope. And then you know, the credits roll. I'm torn. Because I feel like there's ways you could have gotten around this. I don't know how you get the impact of that last line without seeing her quote-unquote face. Especially after after Carrie Fisher passed away. That I remember watching that in theaters, and yeah. I was like, holy crap, that was, like, right in the heart. Like, that was... I... I or, or maybe, maybe if, if like she pulls the hood off and you see her, the the space buns or whatever. Yeah, I still, I don't think you get the impact if you don't see her face, and that's, and that's part of the way they set up the scene. You might be able to set up the scene in a different way, but I don't know. I just don't know if you can get that sort of like emotional gut punch of the fact it's like, oh, this is right into New Hope, and like, oh, this is uh, sort of a love story to all, or a love letter to all these characters in this, this universe and everything. And, and I just, I don't know if it works if you don't have her face, even if it doesn't look perfect. Um, cause I do think I don't know. It's, it's a little weirder than, uh, Moff, or Moff Tarkin looks, but I don't know. Whatever. We should probably move on. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. They could have done it in, in different ways. Yep. Much like the rest of this movie. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to talk about next. I could talk about the the weird bits of pandering to the fans that I find horribly distracting. Eh. <laughs> we have very different opinions on this. I do know. We yes. This is yes, actually the do. part of the movie that we do probably like flat out disagree on, and it's like the well, only part of the movie that we actually flat out disagree on. All right. Well, let's get into it then. Sure. I don't want this. <laughs> So first off, let's talk about good old Jimmy Smits. Yeah. Who, I, I found the scene where he is first introduced laughable. Yeah. That's, I, I get that. That is one moment that completely felt like they reshot. Probably. Because, you know, Jin's been a, taken in by the rebels. She's talking with them. They're telling her what the mission is. Then he just walks into frame and they're playing the, the force theme. Yeah. And I'm just like... Who else other than the fans remember that the Jimmy Smiths is in Star Wars? Like, why are you lingering on him for this? And he doesn't even get any dialogue in that scene. It's so terrible. I don't care nearly <laughs> as much about this as you do. No, it's, it's silly. It's it's silly. They just waste That's... time on him. Like, it's, somebody should be like, oh, this is this is uh, Senator Organa or something. Yeah. 
he should say something in the scene if he's going to walk in and have this big introduction in the scene. Probably. <laughs> I just and, it's it's and then like he he's talking to Mon Mothma later when he's like, oh, we should go find that Jedi that I'm good friends with who who served me well in the Clone Wars because the prequels clearly showed that it's fine, sweep it under the rug. Um, sure, but that whole scene, I'm I'm just thinking like if you're a normal person who doesn't watch these movies very often, are you gonna know what the heck they're talking about? Yeah. Are you gonna know the context for this? Because I'm. I, I am certain that most people are going to be like, who, who's, who's this guy? Probably not. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's silly, and I don't really know why. I think... You're, you admit it's a problem, it just doesn't bother you. Yes. Not nearly as much as something like, say, the Hobbit movies, where it's, it feels at least like this is a, a point in the movie where it's like, oh, this character, yeah, I guess he would be there. And I guess he would talk about this, even if it is very like like ham fisted and like delivered to the audience about, oh look at this, you remember this thing. It's so much better than it, which again it goes back to the fact that I appreciate that this movie acts very well as a prequel to the originals, and because of that, I'm willing to forgive them trying to like slide in silly things like that. Because again, it's not like the Hobbit movies where you have the end of the movie being like, hey, do you guys remember like basically looking at the audience saying, hey, do you guys remember Aragorn? Because He's going to show up in a little while. You like this movie, right? I don't know. It was kind of giving me vibes like that. It's close to that. It's not nearly as bad as that. I'm going to I'm 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 throwing my my opinion down right there that it's well, not nearly as distracting and not nearly as offensive. It's silly. I don't, Again, I keep saying silly, but it's it's I don't know. It I, shouldn't I, have been in the movie, but I don't think it's nearly that that just distracting and like Board, like just like the same thing in the Hobbit movies where Gimli shows the picture of his or not Gimli um glo- they're all glo- the same glo- whatever <laughs> shows the picture of Gimli and then he's like look this is my son he's gonna be in the next movie and it's <laughs> yeah I don't know I think I think it's more that after those movies I'm willing to forgive a lot more <laughs> because I've seen how badly this can go and it's such a minor era- thing the like, specific Aragorn example you're talking about doesn't bother me as much as Jimmy Smith's. <laughs> <laughs> mostly, and well, it's mostly because he's he's not actually there. It's just like a very quick throwaway line. I guess where, for- but I know that they originally intended they wanted Viggo Mortensen to come back, and he said no, <laughs> rightfully so. Thankfully, so it could have been worse. But I think just because it's a quick line, as opposed to a weird introduction to a guy who barely talks in the movie. However, my my counterpoint to that would be, it's a quick line, but that's at the end of the movie, and it's directly addressing what one of the characters throughout the entire trilogy is going to continue to do with his character development. And like, oh, you should go seek out this guy. Like, it's a very... Like, it's, it's at the end of that third movie, and it's like, oh yeah, let's go talk about what's gonna happen next! Can we they... just stop talking about the Hobbit movies? I don't. I, <laughs> I don't want it. See, you're, you're, you're. Yeah, yeah. You're starting to get under your skin a little bit. Isn't it? This is. Uh, a... But it's, it's not just that. It's just those movies in general. <laughs> sure, sure. This is. This is. In this movie, it's more of a. Oh, there's a little bit here, and there's a little bit there. It's kind of in the middle of the action, so that I'm like I had forgotten about those parts completely. Like it's. It's not. I don't find it nearly as distracting, and I don't think. I guess my thing is I don't think general audiences would find it nearly as distracting. No. Which I guess is more to my point of, of why it doesn't bother me as much. 
I don't know. Like it would um, it would that... almost be an Easter egg if it wasn't if they didn't play it up more, which is why I don't think they should have played it up more, but still. It would have been fun. I would have been fine like totally fine with it if they just showed him like show up. Like they didn't I would have been fine if he was a character yeah. in this movie. Well, sure. Yeah. Don't give him an introduction if he's not going to say anything. Yeah. Um I think I I can't decide which one bothers me the more that or the the cantina guys showing up See, on this, Jetta. This is one that I flat out have no problem with. And this is where I knew we would disagree because this one I'm just like eh. I think it's fun. It's mostly just because he says the exact same thing. Yeah. I think it's fun. <laughs> it's like, you watch yourself. I'm like, oh, oh, I get it, because he's going to say that in the next Star Wars yeah. movie and then get his, his arm cut off, whatever. It's it's completely blatant fan service, but I, I don't really think it's a problem. I think it's a fun thing that a lot of people still probably will not get, but at least if they get it, it's... I don't know. I, f- I feel like it's not nearly as, like... I don't know. For me, it's a moment that just kind of halts the movie for ten seconds, where I'm just like, oh... That's okay. my thing. It's it's just a such That's it's weird. such a short thing that I feel like it's, eh. and I think it works because the movie does. I do think the movie works well in setting up New Hope. That like it's a little ties. I don't know. This is a lot more subjective. This is a lot more personal taste than anything else. We we or a lot of the other stuff we've talked about with this, but I I, I just, think I I think the 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 biggest. It, it, it doesn't personally bother me, except I think it's the one that breaks continuity the most, is the 3PO R2 one. Yeah. That one is a little why, more like... Ooh. Why not just show them on the ship at the end? Yeah. Like, when they're taking the plans of Princess... Because, based on 3PO's dialogue to Luke in A New Hope, he doesn't seem to know all that much about the Rebels versus the Empire. Yeah. And also... And yet they're in the middle of the Rebel base watching them go off to battle? Yeah, because, like, obviously they, they want them to the idea is that they want to put them in every movie and so i get i get that they're kind of like how are they going to get them in the hunt who movie? knows who knows i i have a I feeling could, i'm gonna hate that movie everyone not has just that because feeling of, though no not not just because of the reshoots and everything just when they said we're doing a han solo movie i was just like why that was literally everybody's reaction <laughs> okay good which good, probably okay, means, once i'm not alone which probably means it's going to be great like it's probably Which just means gonna I'm going to give it a 15 out of 10. Yeah, it's probably just going to be like incredible, and we're going to be like, "How did this happen?" Um, or it can suck. There's a very good chance it sucks. Um, but no, my, with that, I get that they're hamstrung into oh, they need to show that show them. But it, it does that I, is one where it does feel like for me because like in, it, with the the earlier guys with the Cantina guys, it's like okay, they're in the city, they're wandering around, you know, they happen to go by, and then it's like okay, we're getting a feel for what the city is like, and no, oh, look, there's these guys, and it's a little bit of fan service if you recognize it, and it's whatever. This one it does feel like oh, the third act is heating up, and we're gonna cut to like C three PO for a second. That feels a lot more like a halting the movie for a moment to me thing, where I'm like oh, we we didn't. We can, we can, we can, we don't need that right now. Yeah. I just, there's already enough fan services it is with just like the design of everything and it's the locations and the fact that we're dealing with the Death Star and Darth Vader showing up at the end. Yeah. I I feel like we're already getting enough fan service. We don't need those bits. Probably not. Because, they bother me. They bother me. I, uh... I'm I'm I I I don't think it's possible for a director to who who I assume I don't actually know for sure about Gareth Edwards. I assume he loves Star Wars. 
And I really don't know. I really don't know how you would get a hold of directing your own Star Wars movie without just like wanting to go completely overboard with that sort of thing. Which is also why I kind of forgive it because I'm like Star Wars ever since the original trilogy, which is to say the prequels, has has always like starting with the prequels has always kind of been like that where it's like oh look it's it's this universe and we've got all these characters bouncing around and like and of course George Lucas did all these bits because it's George Lucas but then like I mean J.J. Abrams didn't have as much like blatant stuff that was maybe as distracting as that but he was working with all these characters and like it's it's an entire he's trying to make an entire love letter all these characters there's Um, a there's a few blatant references yeah yeah and so mostly on the Millennium Falcon yeah I just don't think you can resist for that there's a point where it probably will be annoying to me and like I said I I do think C-3PO and R2-D2 don't really show up at the time when they should show up if they really want to put them in this movie but I just I'm not nearly as bothered by it because I know this is such a like self-indulgent universe and it's going to continue to be self-indulgent now that they're making more I don't know I have a hard time really like faulting them for that all that much that's probably that's probably the basis of my opinion on not really caring about it. Is that I'm like, eh, it's Star Wars, it happens. Everything's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> how do you feel about the? Zero out of how 10. do you feel about the score? Uh, it's it's bland, and I don't remember it. I actually sorry, like Michael. It. I'm sorry, Michael Giacchino. I actually I love most oh, of I your didn't music. Even realize that was him. Yep, I actually like it a lot. <laughs> There's, of course you do. There, there's, of there's course of you do. Like, I love the fact that they don't use the straight up like Star Wars theme to start off the movie, and it kind of takes you by surprise. And that the entire movie is is sort of a little bit of a play on the original stuff, and it's very mournful. And like, even from the beginning, the music is very mournful and not like in your face because oh right, everyone's going to die at the end. Yeah. Um, I appreciate it's it's the same probably the same effect that that the uh, Force Awakens score had on me. So. Yeah, it had no impact on me whatsoever. <laughs> That's personal taste. My, my my big measure for whether or not I like a film score is if I I have a specific playlist of, of like film scores that I like, and if it's not on there, odds are I just don't care about it. Yeah, and I don't have any mu- music from this movie on there. So that's fair. Uh, sorry. And usually I like Michael Giacchino. Like I love his Star Trek music. Um, I really love his Super 8 score. His stuff with Mission Impossible is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is... Might just because he's just getting a lot of work, so he's just... I don't know. Maybe he doesn't get as much time to work on these scores. <laughs> but I see, I still like the... it a lot. I still think it's good. Like, I, 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 I think that... Weird noises are emerging from my basement. Um, I think that... It, it like... I don't know. I, I I feel like you're listing a lot of scores that are more. I don't is I don't remember his Super Eight score that much. Is it more like subdued or is it? Not really. That's what I'm saying. Is I I, I feel like or maybe not. I don't know. I feel like that's more of a taste difference as far as you would rather a score be more obvious and be used more, which is is fair. Like that's a that's a taste thing. But I I think that this score functions perfectly well for what it's trying to do. No, no, it's fine. I'm, I just don't care. I appreciate it a lot. There's a lot of moments where I hear the score and I'm like, oh, I like that a lot. Kind of like with Force Awakens, though maybe more than Force Awakens. So, except for the, the part with the lightsaber at the end of Force Awakens, because that's pretty great. 
It's very true. Um, do we want to talk about Chirrut and Baze now? Yeah, we kind of mentioned them. I like them. Because because everybody loves Donnie Yen. Yeah. Especially Britain. Can we just go ahead and say yeah. Britain loves this movie probably, and he loves Donnie Yen with all of his being? Part. Yeah. Yeah. My problem is he only gets one good fight scene and then nothing else. Yeah. I agree. Like, he gets that, that awesome fight scene on Jeddah, and I love how, how, how it's shot because, hey, we don't need quick cuts and quick editing. We can just show a wide shot of him just taking them down, and it's fine. And it looks great because Donnie Yen can fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then he gets nothing else to do. Like, when, when they get to the end battle, like, he, he, most of the time he's just kind of, like, laying down, like, taking cover. Yeah. You're not wrong. I love I love how it, I love his whole death scene though. I yeah, think it's, I think it's, it's very it's, effective. It's pretty good. Yeah, my my biggest problem with it is just like Baze's stuff after it. I feel like he should be more bombastic and like go more all out. Yeah, and stuff, and it should, I, I feel like his, his death should be quickly. more grandiose. Yeah, yeah, it should be more him like taking out all these guys and like going crazy and yeah. They, it, like it the, ends the, the theme should like the music should really pick up it should be like yeah. really energetic and he's just taking out people left and right but in this he just takes out like four people and then he blows up considering this this is more of a, a I do love that last shot where he's sitting there and then like he's he's holding him and then like he's sitting, and he just kind of accepts he, his fate yeah, yeah and then like the, the fire just like shoots across and you're like oh and then it just cuts <laughs> you're like oh that happened yeah. um, but you can do that after you have him kill off like 20 guys which would be pretty great yeah. This movie has a lot of spectacle. They should they should play into that more. Can I also just say the variety, or should I say lack thereof, of of how these people die kind of bothered me. Every single one just kind of blows I up. I kind of like that because a lot of people wanted it to be like, oh, Darth Vader shows up and murders them all, which would have been cool. That's no, I I I, I did not want that. But um, I like the fact that they all just die in normal battle scenarios, as opposed to like every other Star Wars character who has to die like being killed by someone they love or like an, uh, someone they have a long history with this one's I'm just talking like purposely just they all literally blow up Donnie Yen gets shot does he? I thought he blows up I mean he, he no I'm pretty sure he gets I'm pretty sure he blows he gets shot yeah. and then that's why and then he's on the ground and then, I thought oh never mind no the thing the thing does blow up but it doesn't incinerate him no and then it kills him and then he dies from the wounds, and th- and then yeah. his body blows up. But the- <laughs> well, I, I, well, I'm just thinking like you show the battle, you know, you show them taking out a lot of guys, and they're starting to lose ground, and maybe one of them like gets separated from everybody else, and he gets cornered, and yeah. like he accepts his fate, and then he just gets shot by a, a whole bunch of stormtroopers. Yeah, and something like it that. Would, maybe I'm thinking that Donnie got shot because it would have been better if he got shot. If like hit the moment he finished his task, like he he immediately got lit up, like the moment. He he yeah. turned it on. Then then like the he stopped avoiding the shots. Whatever. Um, I don't know that that this is nitpicking. This is all yeah, personal yeah, yeah, preference. Yeah. Um, but I do still like the overall idea of yeah, they just kind of get killed. It's not it's not yeah. them like doing anything heroic necessarily. I mean, some of them do, but like they all play their parts. They they do their little bit of teamwork, and then they just you know, and, they and, just get unceremoniously and, offed, and it's pretty great. Yeah. I was so I, I, worried. I, I, I was so worried watching the end, when I first watched this that at the end, um, Cassian and uh, Generosa would would get saved somehow by like, <laughs> oh look, it's the Millennium Falcon. No, um, but the, like 
somehow they were going to get rescued from the shore. Are you telling me Han? So- are are you telling me the Han Solo prequel is actually a prequel to this yes. that explains how he was able to get the Millennium Falcon there to save them? Yes, <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna get that extra bit at the end. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I, I was I, I do appreciate that they had the guts to kill off every single main character. But I would not have been super upset if Jin and Cassian had made it out. Sure. But I also... If if you had brought them back for other stories. Yeah. Wait, like, but, but then it's... I don't it's, know. May, may, maybe if you had it so, like, they're Poe's parents. That would be fun. You know, something like that. Yeah. But um, if you are going... If you are planning on not having any more stories with them, then yes, kill yeah. them off. Yeah. And I, I appreciate, and of course, then that would kind of bring the issue of, oh, well, why aren't they in the original trilogy? Um, which you can get around that, but the, the you could just say they did their part. I, I, now they're done. Pretty much, <laughs> I like that because that means that that justifies to me a little bit more why none of the characters in this are super like amazing, like they were in Force Awakens. Because it's almost like if you if you make us love these characters too much and then kill them all off. Well, it's 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 a two thing, two way street because if you make us love all these characters, then kill them off. That's going to be, and especially since there are probably going to be a lot of kids watching Star Wars, like the new Star Wars movies, no matter what the parents may hear about it. Um, yeah. Then that almost becomes way too like far, and if you want to kill all of them off, you, well, yeah, that that I guess that kind of summarizes my entire point is that it, it's it's the two way thing of if you want to kill them all off, you need to do that. And if you're doing that, you better kill them all off to at least justify to us why you haven't, like, really fleshed these characters out. Which, I mean, you can make it perfectly effective, but I think if that's the case, you need to really up it and make it, like, an R-rated movie, because, like, I don't think you can have, like, Rey getting mercilessly killed by the Death Star blowing things up in a children's, a movie that, that many children are going to watch. I think that's just too far. And so, that would make me cry. Could you yeah, imagine what that would do to yeah. like a five year old? That's some Game of Thrones stuff right there. Like, let's <laughs> let's not. So that's that's my th- my stance on that. Um, I would have loved for them to do that, but like as as my own character. But they're making these movies to make money, and that's going to leave a really sour taste in families' minds if that's what they yeah. did. In this I don't movie. know. I kind of come at it from the opposite end because I, I'm thinking from the perspective of the the typical reaction to a prequel, especially something like this, where it's like, well, we know how the movie ends. Yeah. So obviously the plot, that's kind of inconsequential. So you better make these characters super interesting and make us care about them. That's fair. That's that's where I come at. For you know that That's my angle on it. So that's why I find it a bit more problematic than you do, I think. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. That, I again, I think the ideal movie would have had the characters be a lot more memorable. But that it, it still kind of ties back into my. I'm thinking about this from the fact that they're trying to turn Star Wars back into like the franchise. Yeah. So. But then again, I don't have a problem rewatching movies, and I know the outcomes at the end of those. Sure. So sure. I don't know. Yeah. None of it matters. Zero out of ten. Still the worst movie ever, even when I like things about it. Sure. Have any <laughs> any any other major thoughts on it? Yeah. Um. Let, let's get into the whole Death Star twist, shall we? Sure. So so the big reveal that that 
uh, a lot of people who have nitpicked the Star Wars movies, a, a thing that really won them over with this is that Galen inserted a flaw in the Death Star that is yeah. the exhaust port that the Rebels then blow up at the end of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. I am very much of two minds about whether or not this is the best way to go. Sure. And I have to and I, I have to go to Max Landis, Mr. Mr. Mary Sue, um, with this, because I, I think he's the one that really brought it up and explained it very well. What is it with Max Landis hating Star Wars movies? I, I know, he's, he's just like a hack. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but his whole thing is, it makes the Empire, like, it takes away a lot from, from their characterization because the Empire's supposed to be, it's like so big, it's so egotistical, of course they would look, oh, they would look past something so small that ultimately takes their whole machine yeah. down. Which, I'm not sure which one. My my biggest problem with with going this way is that the way to blow up the Death Star is so simplistic, and I feel like in Galen's message he could have just been like, "There's an exact yeah, port yeah. into the big trench. You need to blow that up." Okay, bye. I mean, but you could, but instead it's like, no, you have to go to this thing and you need to download this thing that has the plans on there, and then maybe you'll find a weakness. Which. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because if they find the plans and the plans have it on there, why can't first of all why can't the Empire Empire figure out where this is now that they know? Oh, hey, there's a this dude made a flaw in here somehow. Although I guess they don't know. No, they don't know because yeah, because Krennic dies. Never mind. So that's Kr- Krennic goes there to look through all of his files to try and find a weakness. Yeah. Because he thinks it's weird that Galen's been sending out messages, so he's like, "Oh, he must have found, he must have created a weakness and sent it to the rebels." Yeah, but it's never confirmed to him that there is a weakness in the Death Star. True. Until you know, Jin tells him. Until Jin tells him at the very end, and then he dies. And you can also make the argument, it's not nearly as symbolic or straightforward, but you can also make the argument that there, it was them, like crushing this dude's family and refusing to. And, and just generally, like, treating him as a resource rather than a human that caused him to put the, the, the defect in yeah. there. And that's, so I, th- I think there's still thematic elements there. Um, yeah. I do like the idea that of it's just, oh, yeah, they just, you know what, they they got, it, it's, they, they thought they were too big to fail. And, you know. Yeah. Um, well, even then it gets, it gets a little more weird because... So so when when they go in to the actual room with all the discs in it or whatever, yep. And they're trying to figure out which one it is. Jen is like, "Oh, Stardust. That's the file name." Yeah. How would they have figured that out if Jen wasn't there? Yeah, <laughs> that's a huge. That's a huge assumption that Galen makes. Even though in the message he's like, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're dead, or you're not going to hear this message, or whatever." But if you do, yeah, that that seemed very weird to me. That seemed like a huge thing of oh, he read the script. He knows Jin's going to end up there at the end of the movie. That's fair. Yes, I never really thought of that. I, I was wondering that when I watched the movie. It, it felt like something was strange about that. But yeah, that's yeah, a little weird. Got him. Zero out of ten. Yep. <laughs> Worst movie ever. I've convinced you. Correct. 
All right. Other thoughts? Uh, do you think the movie just wastes a huge amount of time with them trying to save Galen? Yeah, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier, that there's there's too much dilly-dallying. Yeah. Like, I, I get the point that they're making with Cassian's character yeah. when it's when it's trying to build up, oh, how's he going to do this? Because, you know, he kind of just... He'll kill people if he has to, mm. so what's he going to do when he when he sees him? And then ultimately he doesn't do it. But again, it. it's, sort of, it's it? sort of like Generoso where they don't really do... They don't really have that moment. Of, yeah. him, of him changing because yeah. it's like okay well we saw that he's perfectly willing to kill random people but yeah. then it's just kind of like oh he decides not to and they sort of yeah. make a big deal of that but they also don't really so yeah same thing so another thing that bothers me okay poor gullet yeah again <laughs> goes back to the that whole thing stuff. is a huge waste of like 15 minutes yeah and and it's just kind of why is that there? It doesn't affect the pilot so at all. So it's it's the creature that that is trying to check the pilot to see if he's tr- telling the truth or not. Which, by the way, that goes nowhere because they just imprison him afterwards. Yeah. Um, because Sagrera is crazy now, I guess. Uh, but then he says, "Oh, a side effect of getting you know latched onto by Borgullet is that you lose your mind." Five minutes later, he's like, "Yeah, I'm the pilot. Let's go." Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. <laughs> It's again it's such a waste of time. The first two acts, I think a lot of uh, well, I don't know what else you have written down in your notes, but I feel like a lot of this is going to come down to yeah, the first two acts take them. No, no, that, that's what that's why I said earlier. I, I took notes for through the first two acts, and then the third act, I kind of stopped yeah, taking notes. Yeah. Uh, um, did James Earl Jones's voice sound weird to you? Yes, actually. I noticed that this time. It sounded a little different. Just because he's super old, yeah. and I don't feel like they wanted to modulate it at all. Yeah. I noticed, I could tell you, I could tell that it was James Earl Jones more than I could have watching the originals, which is odd. Yeah. Um, that pun is both I, great and terrible at the same time. I would like to uh, <laughs> Don't choke on your aspirations. Which oh, is, God. in fairness... A very prequel Anakin thing to say. That is true. I could see Hayden Christensen delivering that line. Yeah. Not well, but I could see him doing it. Exactly. (laughs) Can I just say, I feel like that whole scene did not need to be in the movie. Yeah, it's kind of... I wish they had just mentioned Vader a couple of times, like Tarkin brings him up to try and intimidate Krennic. And then at the very end of the movie, Darth Vader shows up out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, I, agree. I kind of wish that's what they went with. Because I feel like I, it feels them... like they're trying to put him in, put that scene in there to be like, oh well, in case you don't know anything about Darth Vader for some reason. But yeah. at the same time, a everyone knows about Darth Vader, and b it's kind of cooler. It kind of would be cooler if they just built him up throughout the movie, and then it was like, oh, he's here. Yeah. Like, like, almost, you know, you, you build them up throughout the movie, and then, then at the very end, I think Tarkin has a line like this, where he's like, oh, Vader's gonna take care of the, the rebels. Yeah, yeah. Or some, and we're gonna focus on blowing up the base. Mm-hmm. And then Vader just shows up out of nowhere. Which, by the way, there is a reason I did not bring that up in, in fa- the, the, my fan-pandering complaint bit. I think the movie completely earns that, that bit. Yeah. 100%. 
Especially because, like, we're we're not shoving lightsabers down your throat like every other Star Wars movie for the past 15 years. There is one guy who is Jedi adjacent. Yes. And he's got a staff. Yeah. He's also blind. He's also blind. And so, Oh, by the way, my favorite line of the movie is when they put the bag over his head and he says, Are you kidding me? I'm blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that's my favorite line. It it kind of ties into how I was I was freaking out about how Force Awakens actually uses like different weapons and like is creative in how they yeah. approach this universe. It's the same idea of like there's that and there's the the fact that the Death Star doesn't has a like setting to not completely blow up a planet. I think that's super cool. I like that idea a lot where it like they they, they use like the the you know like I forget what the line Tarkin has but something about like using like one reactor or whatever. Yeah. I think that's really neat. I also that's like really how it's built I like how it's built off the same thing that helps make the lightsabers yeah. work. Yeah. I find neat. that an interesting bit of um world building. Mm-hmm. And it's subtle. They don't really talk about it too much. No, it's much. just a line. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um The last real complaint I have written down on my notes is just I already brought this up briefly, is that I don't really care for Jin's speech to the rebels to fight. I found that really cringe-inducing. So, let me let me approach this from several directions. I like the... I like the rebellions are built on Hope Line, because I missed... I, I think I might have missed this, or maybe I, I caught it and forgot about it at some point, um, where Cassian... They they mentioned something about like hope, and then Cassian's like, "Oh well, like like Generoso says, I forget what the exact line is. Generoso says something cynical about hope, and Cassian's like, rebellions are built on hope.' And like, then she brings that up, and like, and and you can there's a like her acting's really great on that line because it's like, oh, she's she's like realizing that she's changed her stance, and like she's there there's something clicking in her head, and she says that, and I like that a lot. Um, I like the dialogue itself of the chances speech. Oh, I'm not talking about that. Bit. Okay, okay, yeah. That's the actual bit where she's talking to her team as they go. Yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. Okay, Scarif. I thought I thought that's what you're talking about. And I, I, I'm talking specifically when she's trying to win all the rebel leaders over. It probably says something that I I just watched this movie and I don't remember anything that she says beyond the rebellions are built on hope line. Well, it's kind of funny because right after that, they're like, "Oh, we all got to vote," and then a whole bunch of them are like, "No, we're not fighting." Yeah, 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 yeah. Her speech did nothing to win <laughs> us over, which I kind of appreciate because that that's a lot more realistic than oh, everybody suddenly won over by yeah. her, this random that's, girl yeah, that just fair. gives them a speech. Mm-hmm. But still, I, I I I didn't like her speech. <laughs> Would it have been like said, better if she held her fist up and started started shouting in German? Yes. <laughs> Yes, it would have. Yeah. Well, mostly because she's, like, super optimistic in that speech. I kind of wish I, – I think I said a little bit earlier, like, if she expressed a little bit more anger. Yeah. Where she's like, you guys have done nothing but screw me over my entire life. Now I'm on your side, and I and you guys won't help me. Like, stop it. <laughs> Obviously better written than that. Yeah. Probably. No, wait, no, 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 that should be the exact dialogue. Yeah, she should yeah. say it exactly like that. I'm okay with it. I'm a screenwriter. <laughs> I'm a screenwriter, I screenwrite things. <laughs> I'm the next Damon Lindelof. <laughs> Alright, anything else? Can I, write the, can I write the sequel to Alien Covenant? No. <laughs> because nobody can write the sequel to Alien Covenant. <laughs> 
yeah, Ridley Scott's just gonna wing it. Oh, God. I buy it. <laughs> Probably be better, honestly. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> what if we just put Mass Fa- Ma- Michael Fassbender in front of a green screen and just saw like just went with it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that. Just have him read a book. Have him read the script of the original Alien to us. <laughs> oh my god! That th- perfect. And he tries to do impressions of everyone. It'll be great. What if he does that while Ridley Scott uses hand puppets? Is that? Do we? I want this <laughs> now. Oh boy. Okay, so I have I have one last thing, and then we can we can get into grades. Yep. Um. I. If you're someone who has never seen a Star Wars movie and you're talking to someone who who's a huge Star Wars fan and you're asking them, well, what should I watch first? As the Star Wars fan, you're clearly not going to say you should watch the prequels first. Yeah. You're, you're going to tell them don't watch the prequels ever, right? <laughs> so, I don't think this is the first one you should watch. Definitely not. But... I don't know. It, it feels weird. I agree because I, that that's kind of my problem with it being like your your whole thing where it's like the best prequel. It's not a good standalone movie, which is why prequels are never good. <laughs> they are never designed prequel movie prequels are never set up in a way where it's like and and I, I get this from a business sense. They're never set up in a way where it's like this is its own movie. And it's just going to lead into the next thing. Like it just happens to leave. it. They never leave it alone. It's always got connections to the to stuff that happens later. That is not really going to make sense unless you know are familiar with the other ones. Yeah. So, I don't well, know. the biggest thing is just like they don't really flesh out what the force is, who the Jedi are. Well, none of that's really fleshed out yeah, in this yeah. movie. And although I do kind of like that the we get these, I like the introduction to the Force if you're watching just this movie for the first time in the sense that we get these, like, hints of the Force and, like, we're told, okay, you know, the, the um, like, like, you know, there's this one guy and he's, like, Force-sensitive and there's some Jedi but we don't really know what that... I like the idea that it's not all laid out to you in this movie from that sense that it's... it it This movie is set... is very much set in a universe that works um, if we're going with the assumption that all the Jedi are gone, and, like, the Force is just a whispering among, you know, the peoples, and, like, the the, uni- the whole galaxy is kind of crap right now. Um, yeah. It, it sets up New Hope in a very well-designed way, I think, in that regard. Uh, but, yeah, I I mean, for one, it's just gonna spoil you on, as far as the effects, because then you're gonna go, you're gonna see Darth Vader just mowing people down, and then you're gonna go to the uh, Darth Vader-Obi-Wan fight, which is awesome, but was made in the 70s and yeah yeah. so no I I mean and it's kind of the same way where you wouldn't really even if the prequels were good you wouldn't recommend watching them first it's better it's it's more interesting to get the originals and then go back and get the back that backstory from of Darth Vader and kind of figure out where all this came from now that you because then if you if you watch the prequels first then you know the twist of Darth Vader and so and that's like a huge moment although Although George would tell you to watch, watch it in chronological. Sure, but that's George Lucas. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, I, I think it's the same way. Where you would at least want to watch New Hope if you had never seen a Star Wars movie. You would at least want to watch New Hope first, and probably the whole original trilogy, and then go back and, and kind of, then then maybe 
go go for a rewatch and watch this this again and then go back with through the original. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I... it's kind of a similar issue that we, I have with Force Awakens, where it's like it depends a lot on how yep. the the next movies go. Of course, with this, it leads directly into the original trilogy, so it ends up being okay. Yeah. Also, I find it weird that Darth Vader, um, like, he sees their ship flying away at the end of the movie, and then at the beginning of the next one, Leia's like, oh, we're on a diplomatic ship on a, on a mission to Alderaan. Yeah. I really want Darth Vader to be like, you're full of crap, I saw your ship, I killed a bunch of your soldiers, shut up. Which, in fairness, is kind of what he does. Like, he doesn't say that, because, of course, they didn't write the movie that way, because they yeah. didn't know they would make, be making this movie 30, 40 years yeah. later. But, well, it's it's kind of like it's it's yeah. it's it's close to connecting, but it's yeah. slightly off. Yeah. They could have they could have done a little done a little differently. That's that's very true. I don't know. It's fine. The movie's yep. fine. Uh, what did I give Force Awakens? Oh, I got to lean forward. Uh, you gave it a B plus. Cool. I'm gonna go with B for this one. Okay. Okay. Nothing to go along with that. You're just gonna. That's. Just gonna, just I gonna think... say B, and then I'll awkwardly spend some time writing it down. <laughs> I think that's a about like what I've talked about the entire. I, I think I've I've justified that fairly well with what I, how I've treated it. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna go C plus. Wow. You really hate this movie, don't you? <laughs> Yes! Zero out of ten. It's the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Yep. And this is me saying that after I've seen Suicide Squad and Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. Yes. <laughs> Especially after you've seen Suicide Squad and Batman Dawn of Justice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let me reiterate the, the way I do my scoring system if you, you haven't heard any of these before yeah. I don't I don't know C for me is average so this is still technically a positive review I am saying this is above a- average yeah. slightly above average but it is above average I, I'm, I'm not I think you you and me we've talked about this where we kind of disagree in our methodology for how we score films a little bit yeah you kind of started at 100 and then you just subtract based on things that are wrong mm-hmm. or you perceive that are wrong with the movie I started at like a 50 because that's average, uh-huh. you know, right down the middle, nice bell curve, and then I add or subtract based on what's good and what's yeah. bad. Yeah, it's, it's a different way of looking at it, but I, I you know, C plus, slightly above average. That's fair. I still, I like like the movie. I think it's fine. I just think it has a huge amount of problems, but it's it's a fun watch. You know, I I I I didn't hate it. While I was watching it, which is more than I can say for some Star Wars movies that we've had to endure. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. Covered- I, I, I just hope that... that I, I feel like the Star Wars movies are now in dangerous territory with how they go. You're right. And I've, I've thought of that before, too. It's It's... It's interesting. I, I mean, I, I would argue that obviously both of these movies are better than the prequels. Um, yes. I'm not even going to, like, quantify that in any way. They are. So, that's a step in the right direction. 
But well, it's, it's it's more just like we're getting one of these every yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Really, no, hope no, that, that's... it doesn't. They stop feeling so much like they're. It's the same thing over and over yeah, again. Exactly. And I think it definitely will be like that for a little while. It's it's more the question of once they're done with this main trilogy, once they they've knocked out Han Solo, which will probably be not that far off from what Rogue One was, um, except worriedly maybe more fan servicey. Uh, it's more where do they take it from there? What what what's the next step? Because yeah, then then it's going to get into scary territory. As far as just completely oversaturating it. Because I would think the idea would be to turn it into sort of a, a Marvel situation where they've just got all these storylines bouncing around. Uh, but I don't want it. But that's what I'm saying. I don't think the Star Wars universe works all that well for that. I don't know. I think that the toys, the, the, the sales for merchandise would, would disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know. Yeah, because cause like the original Star Wars, even the prequels, they, they were released three years apart. Like they were event movies that you had to wait for. Even even with these, I kind of just wish they would, you know, have a break every other year. Yeah, I agree. I don't. Maybe it's just because we've spent the last like two months watching Star Wars movies and Alien Covenant, so I'm kind of <laughs> Star Wars out at this point. And Alien Covenant. <laughs> And I'm done with the Alien franchise just by watching that one movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fair. It has a dangerous... There's a dangerous um, possibility that, that I become disenfranchised with I Star would, Wars. But I'm... Not, not, not that I stop enjoying them, but it's more just that I stop being excited for them. Yeah. And I am, I am still excited for Episode Eight. I'm not excited at all for Han Solo, but yeah. I'm excited for Episode Eight. I agree. I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch. Keep an eye on that. So what are we doing next time, Tyler? Have we decided? No. I think we talked about Pirates of the Caribbean. I'd be fine with let's that. Let's figure that out on air. Let's do pir- that. Let's let's lock it in. Let's do some pirates. Pirates, pi- pirates of the Caribbean. That's one of the last like big franchises we haven't done. I don't know. I feel like there's more than you think. There probably are. We haven't done Die Hard. But that's... We haven't done Die Hard. We haven't done Born. We haven't okay, done Mission let, let, Impossible. Okay, let me let me reiterate. We haven't done Shrek. Let me. Oh my gosh, we haven't done Shrek. That completely <laughs> ruined my point because I was going to say. Let me reiterate. We we haven't. We've done most of the the franchises that are like storytelling kind of based and try to build off each other and like aren't samey. But Shrek, I mean, yeah. dang. We haven't done Rocky. Eh, it's kind of samey. I really want to do Rocky. We can do Rocky at some point. No, because cause even when they're not very good, they're still entertaining. Yeah. They are consistently enjoyable on one level or sure. another. We'll get around to it, but I would I would like to lock in pirates if possible. Okay, we might we, well, we might can... completely change that. We might, or we can find some filler stuff like I don't know, but we'll see. It could, or we could just we could just watch Spider Man three the the editor's cut. No. Or whatever. So you can find yeah, us on uh, I... iTunes at Here Come the Sequels. <laughs> you can find us through Gmail at Here Come the Sequels at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCT Sequels. You can also find us online at Here Come the Sequels. Blogspot.com. <laughs> How's the pie? Like, rate, and so subscribe good. <laughs> on iTunes. Please. <laughs>
All right. We should do it. Uh, let's not do Spider-Man it. Spider-Man 3 editor's cut. I'm so dumb Or it'll you. probably change like two scenes. Stay Rogue One, everybody. Oh, uh, <laughs> sorry about that.